just worship, worship, worship lately. So we had an extra night over across the street. We were invited to do a conference and, and a team went with me and they practiced extra. And, and then I didn't even, we're getting to the point where like, I don't know everything that happens around here, which I'll actually touch on today. And that is exciting and scary at the same time. But uh, the two different teams have practiced different nights this week and they're going to be here tonight. I just can't express my gratitude enough for the people that make up our worship teams and put in the hours and the time and share their abilities and their gifts. Can we honor them this morning and just, they've been putting in extra hours and, and uh, I just really appreciate it. And then yesterday we finished uh, like this uh, odyssey of the siding over here. So when you're working on something a few hours at a time, so we got the siding put back together. So I appreciate uh, the Easleys and and, the, and those of that have been been coming out and uh, faithfully just keep working on this building. And so every little bit moves this thing forward. And I'm just so honored to be a part of it. Wanted to open up just talking, uh, describe a little bit about who I am, and then we're going to unpack that as we deal with, as we keep going through this series. And, and so I've always prided myself, um, or maybe not even really put too much thought into it, but I've always tried to be a jack of all trades, uh, kind of the master of none category. Does, do you know anybody like that, or is you be one? Like, it's where you, like, really try to, like, know a little bit about everything and, and, um, and just enough to kind of cause trouble everywhere because you think you know something, but you're really, like, still, like, right here. And, and this also gets you into trouble because um, anything that I do, like, if I do plumbing or I do drywall, it's something that I do once or twice, like, a year or, or so. And so every time I do it, it's this incredibly frustrating process because I know what to do but I don't do it for a living, so I'm very inefficient at it. So it's like I know enough to, to get myself into trouble. I know enough to actually it can be more frustrating because I just don't have the, the full expertise in something, but it drives me crazy to not know something. And so the few situations where I feel like completely out of my element like is when I'm sitting at like a, a closing on a home. How much fun is it buying a house? It sounds like a good idea. No, the Ely's actually own their own home as of yesterday. Congratulations. It is a terrible, terrible process. And, and after you've already given them blood 10 times and you've tried to photocopy like every document from the past 20 years of your life and then they want another copy and, uh, and still something else and, and still something else. And oh yes, by the way, still something else. And, but those are one of the few environments where I sit there at the table and they're just giving you sheets of paper to sign. And I feel so stupid. Like what I, I, I hate those situations. So I go to a lot of trouble to not be in those situations. Like I want to know enough so that I don't feel stupid, so that I feel like I belong there. And so we're going through this series called Identity Crisis. And what we're doing is we're looking at the core fears that are blocking our true identity. And so we've, uh, we've, we've had a couple really good weeks on this so far. We took a break last week to celebrate our sixth birthday Happy birthday. So much fun. And uh, we're just beginning. And, uh, and so we've talked about uh, I am loved and I belong. Those, uh, you can see the videos on Facebook. You can get the podcast through our website, picktownfc.com. And you want to keep uh, track of both of those places. That's where we do most of our communication. But um, today I want to talk about the fear of inadequacy. The fear of inadequacy. And, uh, and the statement that we want to get to, our true identity is this, is that in Christ, I am enough. I'll say that again. In Christ, I am enough. And so back to my little story, because we can tell where our core fears are because these are going to be the places where we do the most proving and hiding. And proving and hiding is this. When somebody deals with the fear of not belonging, then they either keep themselves from uh, conversations or they try to overcompensate when they go into a room and they've got to be like everybody's buddy and they, they're just like this 100 watts, like they're just pumping it out and like they're trying to overcompensate. So any place that you pull back or you overcompensate, that's proving and hiding and that will reveal 
where you really struggle with a core fear. And you might be like, well, it's been every one so far. That's because these nine are, are kind of humanity's core fears, and we'll all deal with them at different points. But some of these are going to be ones that are really holding individuals in this room back. And I'll be honest with you that this is, this is probably the number one uh, fear that I deal with or have dealt with in my life. So let's go to this uh, jack-of-all-trades, because I've been going through this book and this uh, group um, counseling kind of group attached to it. And I had this revelation about proving and hiding. And so this breakthrough for me came with this jack-of-all-trades approach to life. And that is, it's one of the ways that I prove. It's one of the ways that I've got to basically chime in on everything somebody talks about. And if I don't know something that's, that somebody's talking about, sometimes I'll nod along. And in the past, before I became more comfortable with who I was, I could even kind of like, oh, yeah, I knew that. Like, it would be, I would be embarrassed if I didn't already know something. Does, does that make sense? And so you just kind of nod along like, yeah, yeah, I know that. And you're like, whoa. And you're inside, you're like, this is new information, but you got to act like you've, you know, you were like on the early, on the inside scoop. And this will still bother me, especially when somebody that I consider myself a friend with, and I will hear something going on in their life from somebody else. Does that ring a bell with you? And you're like, um... I thought I would have been like kind of first round on that, you know, and, and, it, and it hurts to not be like on the inside of some things. So you can see the overlap with some of these fears, but I had this revelation that one of the ways I prove is that I have to know something about everything. And so, and I can get myself into trouble here as in a church when I'm surrounded by these amazing leaders is because if I'm not careful, I can stay too involved and not let somebody else lead. I can, I can still try to be like, oh, I've got to still be the man in that area when really it's going to make me a better leader. It's going to make them a better leader. It's going to make the church a better place if I have enough, uh, enough sense to know who I am to pull back and let somebody else be the hero. It's so difficult sometimes. And so, and then the way I would hide, you guys are going to love this. So the, the phrase goes, jack of all trades, master of none. And so I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you guys what I'm dealing with because I want you guys to understand that this is a, a human condition. And so by claiming some knowledge in everything, but not expertise at anything, then what standard can people hold me to on anything? Because I'm not claiming to be awesome at anything. I'm just claiming to be, like, I can usually just kind of impress people because I know something about it, and maybe more than I should. But not really enough to be an expert. Does that, you see what, you kind of see where I was hanging out at? And so all of a sudden this thing comes at me, and I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm not really committing myself to being excellent at any one thing, and yet we'll follow up with that a little bit later. We all deal with this. And, and, and some ways to identify yourself with this is let's talk through some symptoms of this. Um, avoiding occupational activities. And so, so maybe if you are... Um, around the group of people that you work with and you get an opportunity to either, either go do something, maybe extracurricular afterwards, like uh, going to do something else, or it's a group project, you might tend to pull back. And that's because you don't want it to surface that you really don't know what you're doing or you don't want people to find out your weaknesses. And so you get real uncomfortable when you have to produce in front of groups of people. Uh, this, you're also, uh, we can be inhibited uh, to even form relationships, and we hold back even inside of our close relationships, because the last thing we want is the people that have actually chosen to care for us or about us, and the ones we care about, the last thing we want is for them to really find out that we're not enough. Um, you tend to view yourself not very positively. And so, or these people present themselves as I am awesome all the time. And if you come across an I am awesome all the time person, they are proving in this area. Uh, they may be annoying you, but it actually means that they're broken in this area. 
because they are trying to validate themselves constantly to the people around them. And they actually really don't believe that they're awesome. And so these, you, you have to kind of know how to approach these people because you, you want to, they actually need your friendship more desperately than you think they do. And, and, and you got to find a way to have that conversation that I'm, I want to be your friend and you don't need to constantly tell me how amazing you are. So the other side of that, though, is I think most people that deal with a fear of inadequacy is that they view themselves very negatively. They will never see themselves as fully qualified for a job. They'll never see themselves uh, fully uh, as an equal partner in a, a relationship. They'll, they'll, they'll be concerned if somebody is actually going to have to fully depend on them, if that makes sense. Uh, you can be unusually reluctant to put yourself out there. And then here's another thing. I don't like to be embarrassed. Most people don't. But when everything is analyzed through the potential of embarrassment, then this is one of your core fears. Does that make sense? And if I'm like, either say amen or oh me. Like I should be crossing people's like, these things should be firing in your brain of like, oh my, that's me, that's me, that's me. So when you steer away from anything that could be potentially embarrassing, and other people, people that love you, are actually saying, no, you would be good at it. So, like, there are some things I really shouldn't do on stage, like, and, and be grateful for it. And I've probably crossed that line a few times. But what I'm getting at is when people that, tr that, that love you are actually saying you could be, but you refuse to see yourself as as able to do it or to put yourself out there that would be just terribly embarrassing, um, then this would be a fear Basically, you are going into most situations, if not all, saying, I am going to be inadequate. It's not like up for debate. It's, I, I know that I can't do this, but I'm going to do it anyways, and I just have to hope that all of my flaws aren't revealed or that I can make it through. Is anybody really glad they came to church yet? Come on. Okay. All right. The other side of this is, is that you only focus on areas that you can kill it. There's not a lot of trying anything new. There's not a lot of movement into other areas. It's you're going to stay in this real narrow area of where you know you can do something well. And if, and if you really get it the way you want, you want to make sure that you are the best at what you do in that little area. So it basically makes sure that you are in very small ponds, but you are the biggest fish in those little ponds. Does that make sense? And so this keeps you, so what are the problems with this? There's a few things that happen. If, for instance, I struggled with this, and, and, and I do, and, and you'll be amazed at how many pastors do and how many leaders do, but if, if this thing got a hold of me, then that would mean I would make sure that nobody else in this church was as good of a leader or better of a leader than I am. If this gets a hold of me, then I want to make sure that nobody else can communicate as well or even as close to me on a Sunday morning. If this thing gets a hold of me, then I've got to make sure that nobody knows as much as I do about everything that happens in the church. You see where this goes? So all of a sudden, I become this bottleneck, and I basically make sure that I'm the limit or the max of everything. And that can feel good, but what have you got at the end of that? You've got a group of people that you're now, like, everybody's dependent upon you for everything. So this kind of goes back to fear of being needed you, or not being needed. You see the overlay with these things. This also filters all of your incoming communication. So in other words, when somebody makes a comment about something, then you are going to immediately translate that as inadequate. So in other words, you have almost zero ability to capture constructive criticism because they're really just telling you that you're not enough. When really, most of the time, now some people really are jerks and they just want to criticize you. Well, maybe punch a few of those. No, I'm just kidding. Most of the time, if, if people are trying to give you encouragement or, or to suggest changes, and so 
I've had to just kind of push myself because I can be very defensive, especially over something that I've worked on, like a message or designing a service. And so I've had to push myself to open up and ask people like my wife and the people that I trust and say, can you give me some feedback on what's going on? And if, if they're worried about me having to, like that I can't hear criticism, then I'm just going to hear things that I want to hear. But if I really can pull my identity away from what I do, which is very difficult, and then I can open myself up and say, well, that you can, you can do this better, and you really shouldn't look at your watch, and you touch your face 500 times while you speak, and it makes people feel weird. You know, watch. I, I've counted before. Like, I touched my face here, so now you guys are going to be looking for it. And I'm determined not to check my watch. And so, but it's like, if I can't separate my identity from that, and then I, I think that when somebody criticizes what I do, it means that I'm inadequate, so it filters my incoming communication. Here's where we really get robbed. Without an internal secure identity, we will never have the patience to push through life. And so one of the fruit of the Spirit is patience. This fear robs patience. What do I mean by that? How do we get better at anything? Do we just watch a few YouTube videos and then we can play the piano? Like Adam or Melissa? Yeah. How do we get better at anything? We practice. What does that sound like when we're practicing? There's a reason why I bought my son digital drums so that he can listen in his headphones. Have you guys seen the commercial like lately? It shows the, shows the son playing drums and the dad just got noise-canceling headphones and he's just sitting there on the couch like... Because when we learn something, it goes like this. Trying, failing, coaching, trying again, failing sometimes or having rough edges, getting coaching, trying again. If you are going through life with the fear of inadequacy, guess how much patience you have for that cycle. The more this is your fear, the, the, the closer to zero you will have. So in other words, you will stay limited with your capacities because you cannot deal with the shame of not doing well at something. And yet we all know that the only way to get good at something is to practice, fail, get constructive criticism from people, which means they're going to tell you the things that could be better. And you'll, if, if you, all you interpret that as how terrible of a person you are, then you'll have trouble. So this fear of inadequacy keeps us from any potential failures and criticisms. Does this sound like something you have dealt with at some point of your life? Yes, thank you. How do we get here? I think it is part of the human condition. Um, the author of, the, of this book, Connect to This, is that sometimes we get to these fears by a thousand small wounds, a few major ones, or some combination in between. Typically, we get this fear because this is one of those fears that is uh, passed down from, from moms and dads. So if mom or dad deals with this, then they're either going to overcompensate with their wonder baby that can't do anything wrong, and then that's a fun one to find out uh, that you're really human, and uh, and 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 that, or you you pick up those same fears, or you've been hurt, and so I'm going to hurt like every dad is going to wince when you hear this, because every time my kid is learning how to do something, and I say, oh just just let me do it. It's, it's simple, like, you know? Well, I've done that a lot. So kids are great recorders, terrible interpreters. What does that mean when someone says, ah, just let me do it? It should, I'm not enough. That's simple. You should be able to figure that out. I just... 
every time we do something like that. So, so we get this uh, from well-meaning parents, teachers, coaches, usually from people that have had ways of, of, trans, of, of speaking into us, and, and, and it's just the frustration of, of, of really, they, they see that you can learn this, they see the potential, but you're not getting it quickly or in a way that they think you should, and you see the frustration in them, and so it translates into, I'm not enough. And it can come a, a bunch of different ways. But basically, anytime somebody else that's, that says, like, that's easy, like, how come you can't, well, excuse me. Excuse me, Bill Nye, science guy. Uh, I, I, I'm a little slow on this. And, and so, but you end up not wanting to put yourself out there because you don't want to hear that criticism. And so thank Thank the Lord for the teachers that just pour out grace in the classroom and, and, and moms and dads that just, you know, as, as best as we can to be patient with our kids so they don't pick up this thing. How do we get out of this pattern? Well, the pattern is, is that we have this identity, we have this community, and we have our mission. We have what we do, and we tend to function in community in our relationships, and we tend to function in all the things we do without coming from a whole identity and so we've got this thing out of order and so if my identity is wrapped up in me being enough at things then any time I don't feel fully qualified in an area which is often pick a role husband uh, father pastor the moments of inadequacy are endless right oh so you guys think that about me too okay I knew it I knew it no the opportunities are endless. And if my identity is not secure, then I translate all of those things back into that I am not enough as a person. And when that is how you're walking through life, it is, uh, it is a difficult place to be. And so we need to start with our identity. We're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 1 this morning. Is it okay to preach on something this practical? I really like the series, and I hope, I hope it's blessing you. I'm going to read from uh, Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 9. Jeremiah 1, 4, and there's a few of these verses that, that, we've, that some of us have heard many times, and, uh, and so we're going to put them into some context and, and, and see what God wants to speak to us this morning. So... It says, the Lord gave me this message. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. O sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I am too young. The Lord replied, don't say I'm too young, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people. For I will be with you and will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth and said, Look, I have put my words into your mouth. So how do we get out of this pattern? We've got to go to the promises and the truths of God. And so the first one for us this morning is God is the source of our ability. And so when we go to that promise, that truth that God is the source, well, why would God like leave anything under-equipped. Have you seen how all of creation functions? Like, it's, it doesn't look random to me. I mean, I was a shot at a lot of things right there. It doesn't look random to me. Everything looks like it has what it's supposed to. And everything just keeps spinning and working together. And, and for some reason, the animals all know what to do. For some reason, the grass knows what to do and the trees know what to do. Do they all have enough? Yes. And so God would never leave us under-equipped. And so, so God is the source of our ability. In verses 5 and 9 that we just read, it says that I formed you. I appointed you. You have my words inside of you. So God has done the designing. And so 
when we, and, and we don't do this on purpose, but when we claim inadequacy, we would never claim it for somebody else or we shouldn't, and we would never claim it over the sunset or looking at a mountain ridge or, or, or you know, or, or looking out at the ocean and, and or, or walking through and seeing how nature all functions together. We would never say, that's so inadequate. If anything, we get inspired when we look outside of ourselves. But as soon as we look in the mirror, oh, that, God, was I a Friday afternoon car? Like, I mean, was this like, was I made like right before break time? Like, did you take a call halfway, you know, like during, during the process? Like, Why do we look at everything else? I mean, I don't think we should just be stuck standing in the mirror. I mean, that's kind of a sad lot in life, too. If, if that's you, then God bless you, I guess. Oh, wow, look at you. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> look back in the mirror. Oh, just checking, you know. No. Why do we look at everything else, and then we look at ourselves, and we're like, Meh. John 15, 5 says, Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And so God is the source of our ability. Our good enough comes from God. He doesn't make junk. I can remember seeing that written. So I'm like, like God, it, he, doesn't, he doesn't bother. Everything has a purpose. I'm still curious about mosquitoes, but I don't know. Like, you know, if they move like vaccines around instead of like the plague, then, you know, that may, may, be, may be something there. But um, I don't know about them. But um, God doesn't make anything without a reason. Our good enough comes from God. It doesn't matter what we don't have according to our earthly standards. We are complete in Jesus. And so the whole premise of this series, it's not self-help like I am this, I am that. It's in Christ, I am this. So in Christ, I belong. In Christ, I am loved. In Christ, I am enough. So number one was God is the source of our ability. Number two, if we're in Christ, then we are under God's authority. Why, is this, why does that matter? Because in verses 5 and 7, uh, it says, you must go. You are my prophet. And so why does that matter? Because there are going to be times where we feel woefully inadequate. For example, Adam, plant a church. <laughs> oh, oh, this, this Adam. Yes. But if I'm under his authority and he's told me to do it, this is why we want to know God's plans. It's not just we, we want Jesus in our heart, but if we're following him, then that means if we're doing what he wants us to do, then we can have the confidence that he will meet our needs there. If I'm going rogue, then I really can't be too frustrated with God if he's not blessing what I want to do. Do you see what I'm saying? So if the failure comes, and I'll use an example about that, and I'm doing what he wants me to do, then he will use that failure. It will still hurt me and feel like failure, but I'll be okay because I'm doing what he wanted me to do. Colossians 2.10 says, So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. So when you're moving around this life called human you know the human existence when you're moving through this thing called life and you are under God's authority then he whatever you feel like you don't have you either don't need or he's going to meet it in a different way 
oftentimes in another person or people, this church is only going to become more effective as all of us submit to what God has called us to do in this place. If we limit ourselves to just the things I can do and I can do well and I do them all, first of all, pretty dumb church, and second of all, we can't make an impact in the community around us. And you all weren't designed to be spectators, you, all, you were all designed to be participants. And so as we all, as, as these gifts all come together, God is bringing gifts to this work. And so he didn't, I used to think, well, God, okay, I, I need, we need this at the church, I, I better learn how to do it. And I think there's times to fill in the gap, I really do. But what's really gonna what's really gonna scream God's glory is just like when you look out in nature and you see things complement each other, you don't see any one part of nature trying to do it all. And so so part of this is just being saying, I'm gonna also put myself under God's authority so that I have the freedom to just do what He has called me to do. It's difficult. But verses 5 and 7 says, you must go, my prophet. So uh, number one was God is the source of our ability. Number two is we are under God's authority. Number three, we are protected by God's presence. He doesn't just wind us up and turn us loose. I'll have fun with that. Go play in a church. I'll see you, I'll see you on the flip side. No, he promises to be with me. In verse 8, it says, Don't be afraid. I will be with you. I will protect you. And I have seen his hand in my life of where I can tell that he's been with me and where he has protected me. That is an amazing feeling of when you can see like a situation and like, you can tell that God's hand kept you from something or the fullness of a consequence in some cases or just, man, I felt like I needed to be here instead of there and, and, and this good thing happened to me. It's not always just avoiding the negative. It's, it's he wants to lead you to, to where good things happen as well. But I was protected. I'm protected by God's presence. It says, don't be afraid, I will be with you. 2 Corinthians 3, 4, and 5 says this, We are confident of all this because of our great trust in God through Christ. Again, you got to hear this, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. It is not that we think we are qualified to do anything on our own. It's not about building up confidence. Ooh, you got this. He's got this. He's got this church in his hands. He's got my kids in his hands. I get to play a role, and if I'm doing what he tells me to do, then I get to to join in with that. But it's his. It is not that we think we are qualified to do anything on our own. Get this. Our qualification comes from God. I don't have it on my own. I can't muster it up. I can go to Bible college, but I can tell you there's a lot of people that have degrees that shouldn't be preaching. And a lot of people that are holding back because they don't have the degrees that should be preaching. Well, I don't have enough. Says who? Says who? Because if God calls you to something, then He's going to equip you for that. And He wants you to have the patience to grow in it. I've made mistakes, a gazillion of them. And so if this core fear operated, then I would hold back and I wouldn't keep pushing forward and I wouldn't risk growing or trying new things or, or putting myself out there. And so I, got, I have to know that I'm protected by God's presence our qualification comes from God so listen to those three things that we have just from this little section of scripture God is our source we're under his authority and we're protected by his presence we get out of the pattern of of fearing inadequacy by trusting his promises and by remaining in him 
if you're outside of his will, then I can guarantee you life is going to feel pretty frustrating. And one of the steps might be, well, where am I not yielded to him? Because if you're trying to do things your way, it, it's just, he can't bless it. And he actually won't bless it. So this whole thing is premised by in Christ. In Christ. With our identity secure, our, success, our successes and failures don't define us. So here's a, a, another key point in my life. Uh, two years ago, uh, really close to this time, uh, just about two years exactly, um, we were meeting uh, as a church. We were down in the Strip Center down there on 256, and um, a lot of you have come on since we've moved here, and, uh, and I, I'm so thankful for that. And, uh, but we had this cool little place, and, and we made the best of it. We kept getting moved around as, as, as uh, some of our, spot of our units would be leased. And our deal with the landlord was basically whatever he had left we could use. And, uh, but if he needed to lease something out, bye-bye family church, okay? That was a lot of, you know, real, real low-stress time of life, you know? So you got this baby little church, and, and we could lose our place at any time, and, and uh, so God likes us to grow. So I finally get the email, the email that says, we think you're great, um, but we have signed a lease on the remaining space that you're using. And, and we need to get in pretty quick so you can finish out over the next month and you can meet around, like, you could basically work around the construction for even another month or so after that. I thought, that sounds fun. And because, um, you know, the nursery should have power tools and, you know, and, and scrap pieces of metal laying around, and uh, this is going to be fun. So we found out basically my biggest fear of the first uh, four years of, of, of our church, and that is I'm going to lose our space. Number one fear that I had for those four years was when that call was going to come. And so it comes, and uh, compounded with um, really enjoying church, but not sure that we were really walking in all the things that I thought that we should be. Um, attendance had really kind of stagnated. It's not about numbers, but usually new things are really kind of has a lot of buzz to it, and things are, you know, you, you should be kind of growing. Uh, it's more normal for churches that have been around a long time to have a flat spot in their, in their, in their years and then figure out what's going on. And, and, um, and I just remember talking with the Lord multiple times and just entertaining the idea of, are we done? Are we done? We need a place to meet. That's important. But compounded with just not seeing some of the other things that I thought we'd be seeing by that point and just, just going to God and saying, are we done? And then I, I just started processing what that would look like. What would that feel like? What would that feel like with my church planner buddies and uh, being around Pastor Conan who took the risk and sponsored me and, and, uh, and, and said this guy's going to be able to plan an amazing church and we're going to give them a bunch of money and resources and, and how is my family going to be impacted and how are my friends going to think of me and on and on and on and on. How adequate do you think I felt in those moments? And I came to the place with the Lord where he reminded me of similar things that we just said about, about being in Christ, about being under his authority. And he basically reminded, him that, reminded me that I was obedient. And sure, I could have done things different. Some things I could have even done better. If you really, anybody can look back at something and, oh, I, you know, I could have, I should have, would have, could have, right? 2020 hindsight kind of things. But God basically released this thing in me that said, you, you said yes, you answered the call. And churches and in almost everything that we 
commit to has other people attached to it. And, and, and basically, the, the release for me was it, it takes a lot more than just a pastor to, to make a church successful. And, and I thought I could learn enough, do enough of the roles, force it through, and make it happen. Because the one tendency when you feel inadequate is to double down. You just better work harder. You better force through. And so I got to this place where, God, it's yours. I, I will feel like a failure if it fails. Um, and Danielle and I talked about this. I said, I will go serve in a pastoral role. Like, this is basically, like, you figure out who you are in these times. And, but I knew who I was. And I knew that I'd likely land some other church helping people connect to God. And then you can see what God has done. That obviously wasn't the end of the story. But I had to get to a place where I saw my identity separate from the situation. And I had to get to the place where God and I would be okay. I wouldn't have liked it. Believe me, I wouldn't have liked it. And, and I had to get to that place. And so we have this little group of options that we can do when we run into a time where we feel inadequate. Because my one concern teaching this is that we've really got two sides of this story. And the problem is, is we blend them. The one is our identity, and then the other one is how do we engage with all of the things that we do in life? Because there really will be times where you feel inadequate. So how do we separate the two? Because that's what the that's what the story of today is, is that our identity is secure regardless of what we're doing. And so outside of our identity, which is secure in Christ, what do we do when we're in a situation where the church might be done? What do we do when we run into a new job where we feel overwhelmed? You really might not be fully qualified to be there. You really might not be. What are your options? Number one is you can ignore it and just tell you what your mama always, tell yourself what your mama always told you, and that is, I'm awesome. And it's just going to work out. You can ignore it. Number two, you can change your situation. Maybe you should. Now, the tendency, if this is a core fear, is you're going to change it quickly and you're going to change it often because you're not going to like that tension of not feeling qualified. So this, the go-to is actually going to be change it quickly. Yesterday would have been better, please, right? And so I'm going to try something else or I'm going to wait and try anything or maybe never try anything else at all, but it's to change it. Sometimes you might need to change it. You could be in something that you really don't fit in and you don't want to learn the skills to fit. And that's okay. So which leads you to the other two options that you have. You can change your performance. What does that look like? You can get better at something. How do we grow at anything? We change our performance level by going through the process of, well, I need to work on this part. You find a coach or YouTube and, uh, or ask your 13-year-old because they already know how to do everything. And, uh, and then... Uh, I take too many shots at my poor kids. Anyways, um, I'm glad I have them because I, I just don't know how I function. I mean, it's just, anyways. Uh, I can change my performance. Now, if you stay out of an insecure heart or an identity, then you just think you've got to force this thing through. When if you look at anybody that grows in a skill, it's just this, I need to learn this, teach me, I'm going to try it, I'm going to, kind of be not that good at it, and then I'm going to get a little better at it, and then on and on and on, right? The other thing you can do is change your expectations. Now, parts of our culture now are, let's just say, let's just dumb this thing way down. If we put the bar low enough, everybody's a winner. Everybody gets a trophy. Mom, I, I just picked dandelions on the field during the whole game. I got a trophy. Well, that's because you're a winner. And the coach can see that you're a winner. Forget in mind that part of your cost for the kid playing the sport was for the trophy that they were going to get at the end of the year. 
Is there a problem when we're prepaying for trophies? Yeah. Is there a healthy time to change your expectations? I think so. I think there's a healthy time to change your performance level. I think if we just kind of go into marriage or we go into a job and be like, this is what you get. And this is all you're going to get. And you either appreciate my awesomeness or you don't. This is it. Well, that's a pretty terrible way to go through life too, right? But if you're constantly changing your performance because you think that you're inadequate or you're constantly changing your expectations just so that you can stay the biggest fish in a little pond, then those are different. So I'll give you a funny example of this. Uh, some friends decided that, uh, so we just get out of high school and, and, uh, and, and we decide that we should enter in uh, and we should be, uh, become a soccer team and that we should play in an, a co-ed league uh, that played out of uh, soccer first or whatever this place was up in Dublin. Adam, do you want to play soccer? Sure. I've kicked a soccer ball before. Well, it's one of those few times where it's like, you know that you don't belong somewhere. And I'm out there running, chasing a ball, and I'm like, man, I'm really want to sit down now. This is, this is a lot of work. And I'm just running around and chasing, and like, I really don't know what I'm doing. And, and, um, and so, and the funniest one was I take this point blank shot, and the ball is coming at me, and I just froze, and this thing hits me in the head full speed. Apparently, I yelled something that sounded maybe like swearing. And, uh, and then I proceeded to just kind of run aimlessly like around the court because I think I had experienced a mild concussion. And uh, so I proceeded to be the humor for the next month. And L. Adam wasn't that funny. Yeah, it's a good time. I, I like feeling entirely inadequate for an, an hour and a half and, and, uh, and, and having soccer balls hit me at 100 miles an hour. And this is good. In moments like that, I could have hidden. I could have quit the team. I could have tried a lot harder, which wouldn't have made any difference. But I was there to have fun with my friends. And so I took it down to what it was, and I played my two minutes a game I was allowed just so I could give somebody good a chance to catch their breath. And I had fun with my friends. So it's like we have these situations where we've got to adapt. We, we can change it. We can quit something. And there might be a time for that. We, we might need to ignore the feeling of inadequacy and just plow through something. We might need to change our performance level. We might need to change our expectations. But can I tell you that throughout that entire process, and this is going to happen time after time again. It's going to happen in your relationships. It's going to happen at work. It's going to happen if you decide to try a new hobby. Uh, you can, well, I'm going to, I want to run. I want to start running to get healthy. Well, you're going to feel like a failure the first five minutes you try something like that. You might feel like a failure three days into it. And so if your identity is not secure underneath that you are enough as a person in Christ, then you will just get whipped around depending on how you feel in any situation. And God has so much better for us today. With an internal security identity, we will have the courage and patience to push through things. I heard this a long time ago, that God is not looking for ability. He's looking for availability. And as a father of three kids, a husband, a co-worker, a pastor, a friend, I can tell you that my ability has not always been what it should in every role that has come my way.
But I've chosen and I invite you to do the same, and that's to make myself available to the living God, to place my life in his hands. Zechariah 4.6 says, Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Our qualification comes in Christ. And to finish the story opened up with, the worship team can come up. We're going to close with the song. This jack of all trades, master of none. My breakthrough was this. I told the, the team here, I told Danielle, and I'm telling you today, that I needed to stop proving and hiding in this area of inadequacy. And I told them that I feel like God has called me to be good at a very few things. And I'm not going to chase skills and other things just so that I can feel like I'm enough in other categories. And so as far as the church goes, I feel like I'm supposed to make leaders, to pour everything I got, even though I feel very inadequate to do so, that I'm supposed to give everything of who I am to the people that lead alongside me in this church. I feel like I'm supposed to take every opportunity I can to communicate better and to communicate God's word to anybody that would listen. I know I'm supposed to work on being a better husband and a better father. I'm already an amazing grandfather, so I can check that one off. But the freedom that comes with knowing that God is our qualification, that he's with us and that he protects us, and if we're doing what he tells us to do, then it's, it's his. It's not mine. Can we pray this morning? Father God, I thank you for this word. God, I thank you that we are enough in you. Around this room right now, in Christ, I am enough. Who needs to say that out loud this morning? In Christ, I am enough. If it's you, just say it with me. In Christ, I am enough. In Christ, I am enough. In Christ, I am enough. Let's stand and worship as we close today.